welcome to episode number 49 of the Adelan Rising podcast. In today's episode, we have comic book superstar Devin Grayson visiting with us. Devin Grayson is a prolific and award-winning writer who has scripted dozens of tales for DC Comics, Dynamite, IDW Press and Marvel. Miss Grayson is perhaps best known for her work in the world of Batman and the seminal runs on both Nightwing and the Titans, as well as the groundbreaking series User, which is now available in collected editions through Image Comics. More recently, Miss Grayson has loaned her talents to bring to life the newest iteration of the Secret Warriors in the pages of Marvel Rising, a hugely fun series that opens the world of Marvel heroes to a broader audience. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. How are you? Oh. My pleasure. I'm well. Thank you, Saren. And Doc and Adam, how are you guys? <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> doing well. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us today, uh, Devin. It's um, yeah, it's a real honor to have you here. It's my pleasure. Glad I got a chance to talk with you guys. We're glad to have you. So, um, Doc, you want to take us away? Well, I think we should start off by just saying what a blast um, uh, Marvel Rising has been so far. Um, and I guess by the time we, uh, maybe by the time we air this episode, the final Omega issue will be on the stands. Great. Really I was just going to ask. So you guys have read through um, Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl 1, right? But you haven't yes. seen the Omega yet? Great. Got it. Okay. Yes. Despite the, uh, <laughs> the odd numbering, I've managed to follow the series. It is crazy numbering. It's the new math. That's, 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 that, that could be probably the first question is, did you have anything oh, to do with the numbering me. on it? Gosh, no. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I was trying to explain to my mom how to find them. And I was like, never mind. I'll, I'll just get you a set. <laughs> Let me let me tell you, I have not been able to find a single one in my LCS. Oh, they really? just they walk in and out, and then <laughs> so I try to go and download them on the Marvel app, and I have to dig for it. They don't make it easy to find it, and I've been kind of like they don't. We'll pretend it's a treasure hunt, but yes, obviously it's like a treasure hunt. It would be if if the idea is that it's aimed at newer readers, it might have been wise to have made it a little more accessible and a little easier to follow. But the uh, the hardcore readers are doing the the hard work of tracking it down, and uh, it will eventually be available in a trade paperback. Oh, excellent! Yeah, I'm looking that, forward to that. I think that trade yep. is is hopefully going to fly out the window as well. Because I mean, <laughs> you know, in the, in the UK, we don't seem to have as many uh, comic book shops. So for mm-hmm. me, it, it's just as simple as you know, going on eBay, clicking buy now. So <laughs> I, I think I'm uh, I'm a bit a bit better for that. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. been absolutely brilliant so far. How oh. do you get the zero issue like for free comic book day if you don't have a shop to go to? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I think I, they did eventually make it available online didn't they they did I, it I is would available. assume on marvel.com right uh well yeah i, I got it through the, yeah through yeah, the uh, for like comicsology because they do all the app stuff oh, um, right, but right, I, right. I did actually pay for an issue of it um, what? no that's not right <laughs> it, it's not but it was kind of you know i think the comic book stores do they still have to pay for the free comic book issue so i'm, I'm kind of happy to support the guys for for doing that so you know and it was a it was about a pound so it was less than the cost of a you know a, a bottle of Pepsi or a bottle of Coke. So, <laughs> how 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 did it how did it come to be for you? Were you approached by uh, Marvel to uh, spearhead this project? Yes, that is exactly what happened. Um, I had recently finished my uh, Doctor Strange novel for them, so I'd been working There's with a them Doctor Strange Pepsi. novel. Yes, it's called uh, The Fate of Dreams, uh, I'm have and to it's. Buy that. 
original novel. I had so much fun working on that. Uh, it was great. And my the assistant editor on that, Sarah Brinstead, became the editor on this. Though originally I was approached by editor Heather Antos, um, who explained the project to me. And um, I'm pretty sure it was it was her idea. And she spearheaded it. And she had a lot of great energy for it. And it just sounded like so much fun. And um, I think initially the idea was that I was going to do all of it. And then the idea came up of, um, you know, uh, scooping in the actual writers of the ongoing titles of Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl, G. Willow Wilson, and um, Ryan North. And uh, that just made it, I was already on board, but like she was apologetic, I think, and worried that I wouldn't like having to work with other writers. But as uh, from the, my days in Gotham, like I'm so used to crossovers. I've done so many and it was so exciting to get to work with these particular writers on these properties. So um, I was ready to go. I was psyched. Oh, that's awesome. Now you've uh, co-authored with some pretty awesome other writers over the yeah, years. Yeah, over the years um, for sure. You get to uh, throw in uh, Miss Wilson and Mr. North. That must have been a lot of fun working with them. They seem like, They are uh, amazing. And really, um, I didn't know this going in, but it turned out that we're all legitimate gamers. Um, so about halfway through this, I'm like really carefully explaining my terms. And I've been, you know, doing RPG since, well, as Sarah and I were just discussing since 1996. Um, right. But, uh, um, you know, so I was sort of expecting to have to walk them through it, and they all just start jumping in with obvious, especially Willow. I, she blew me away. Oh, she's, she's a hardcore WoW she player. She's hardcore, exactly, and she knows her stuff. And um, so that just um, my one thing that we didn't get to do yet that I regret, and I hope we still get a chance to, is we need to all find um, a game that we can get on together and just play one really good uh, raid or something. But oh God, just, <laughs> wow, just get on you know, WoW. They just have the new X pack come out. Perfect. And um, Ryan, of course, is an actual computer programmer and absolutely hysterical. And it was so much fun working with both of them. They're they're brilliant. And they, um, you know, it, uh, crossovers are really difficult. We had a lot of editors, a lot of artists, a lot of moving parts. Um, but I was trying to, as someone who's done a, quite a few, I was trying to be really sensitive to making it as much fun for them as possible. And they certainly made it fun for me. That's Pretty much awesome. the dream well, that, team, then. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was. It really was. <laughs> I have to laugh because I'm glad to know that you're you're a gamer because I had to translate for Doc <laughs> a couple of pages have said. We, it was hard decision to make how much to tone that stuff down and how much to leave it in because, of course, for actual gamers to see the correct language and usage and stuff is really exciting and fun and uh, it makes Ember seem, you know, much more believable. But on the other hand, right, you don't want to alienate people who don't talk that way. And um, well, I no, think I, some it, I it, honestly it, don't know the difference because I talk that way in real life too, <laughs> IRL as well. <laughs> it worked out fine because you had um, both. Uh, Dante uh, Inferno yeah, and uh, Miss America Chavez, who I related to, as they were kind of like dumbfounded by this. Like, yeah, I don't know <laughs> where you're coming from either. You're talking about yes, exactly. We can assume Tippy Toe doesn't play either, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sharp egg. assume anything. Yeah, <laughs> assume anything with Tippy Toe. Tippy Toe can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, prior t- to um, to coming on board for Marvel Rising, had you had any exposure to or interest in the uh, in human characters like 
Miss Marvel or Lockjaw or Inferno? I certainly knew about them, especially Miss Marvel. Um, you know, she's made quite the splash, and I've been following her and Willow's uh, exploits excitedly. Um, but uh, I, well, actually, when I did the Power Pack uh, single issue a little while back, I think uh, Inhumans was one, when we were initially trying to decide what to do. That was one of the things we discussed. So I read a whole bunch of issues then thinking I might pitch something there. Um, and then we went in the other direction with Power Pack. So I put that away and moved on. But I, I did sort of have some of it in the back of my head. Ooh, a Power Pack meets Inhumans story. Now that would be yeah, worth there reading. You go. Yes, that would be great. Yes, it would. <laughs> So what what did you read other than Miss Marvel? Like what what else did you read? Out of curiosity, uh, boy, I'd have to go back into the files. But just some of the the really old classic Inhumans. Um, I like going way back to the you know sort of Ur material, um, and then of course a bunch of Squirrel Girl. But that's a different thing. <laughs> yes. Did you get to decide how did, to compose the team? Yes, pretty much. Uh, there was a couple, you know, we definitely wanted to use those two and it was really about their relationship and partnership forming. Um, but we had a pretty wide, I, I think initially that all the characters that are in the Marvel Rising animated thing were available to us. Um, and initially the idea was to use all of them. It's just, it, it became really cumbersome. It was sort of too many. I, I wanted to streamline it down a little bit. Well, and maybe leave some room for the sequel. Exactly, exactly. My go. regret is we didn't get Lockjaw in. He, he was available to us, and I was so excited to play with him. Um, but his power started to feel a little redundant with America there, and there wasn't an organic way to work him in. So, Yeah, and escaping yes. the video game Sorry. realm would have been much easier with him there. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but so, uh, America's just such a fun contrast to everyone else. Personality really fit in great with the group, right, as that contrast, um, and as someone who's not familiar and not even amused by uh, the uh, the kind of stuff they were facing. So it was great to have her there. And she's another wonderful character that I've seen before and I was excited to get a chance to play with. And then the round things out, you threw in Inferno. Uh, yes. Who's also a fun character. He's great. Yeah, and he has a great power set that's very visual and a lot of fun to play with and perfect for a video game environment. Yes. I'll have to say Inferno was not a character I really cared for until Matt Rosenberg started to write him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And his voice changed in a way that you like. Yes. I I I quite like him now. And I found him a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you've you've carried him over really well. So I I think he's really true to how Matt Rosenberg portrays him. So I Thank you for that, because awesome. he's, he's become a, a character I like a lot. He actually, I, he sort of became one of my favorites to write, I, I guess because he was playing the straight man, and they always get the best lines. <laughs> <But> <laughs> they really do. <laughs> and the only fella in the crowd. That's true, too, yeah. We reversed uh, what I call the, the TV gender ratio, which there's always three guys and one girl, and that's supposed to look normal to us. And I was like, oh, hey, look, we reversed it by accident. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah I think we yeah, all are. Watch, I think we've all enjoyed you're it. watching so. a movie or a TV show or something, watch how often that's true. That if you were an alien and you came to Earth and were trying to sort of absorb the world through media, you would be utterly convinced that we're on a three-to-one ratio of male to female <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> that's an awkward ratio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just came back from Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and I was trying mm. to think about that, and I was like, yeah... Except for like towards the end when they got Maria Hill in there and then it was like, 
two to three, but yeah. Right. They're soldiers, yeah. and so it's a, there's a military, you know, there, there's yeah. some structure that makes that make more sense there um, than usual. But, like, in sitcoms, for example, I'm not quite sure how they've gotten away with that for so many years. But I, say, yeah, the, I the, think the, we don't even see it anymore. You know, it looks normal to us. Yeah, the most most recurrent one, I suppose, is, like, Big Bang Theory and, and stuff like that. It's, yeah. you know, four to one, mm-hmm. three to one. Yeah. Or even more <laughs> contemporary shows like Stranger Things has the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. going. Yeah, that's yeah, and Stranger Things. What's interesting about that, of course, is it's retro, right? It's looking back at the '80s. So, um, you know, someone my age has been seeing that ratio so long that you know, I'm not kidding when I say you barely notice it. It yeah. looks completely natural think, to me. Of course, there's three the dudes only, and there's one girlfriend. Right. I think the only show I can think of that might bend that is Agents of Shield because mm-hmm. you've got you've got the, the four girls and then you've got. Just only, yeah, it's either equal or it's it's the girls outnumber the guys. Right, right. Yeah, we'll and see if that balances out some more moving well, forward. That, I was gonna say that that's actually an issue. It has been brought up on um, like British uh, panel shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so like QI, I, I guess you get that in the US, um, and then we have stuff like Mock the Week and things like that. And it's always a panel show right. of four people. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be at the moment it's all three to one, as you say, and it's just like okay, yep. actually. Now you've pointed that out, it's like, you know, the, the, the glass breaking moment. It's like, oh. Exactly. I keep seeing it. Well, I had a moment like that organically. I was just watching TV and I just realized, wait, I've seen this three times in a row now and totally accepted it as normal. But um, it isn't actually how the world is shaped. Yeah. Not at all. So. Huh. Well, that, that's sort of a, a central premise in, in Marvel Rising in general to sort of buck a lot of the standard trends. To, right. Um, uh, and in so doing, kind of open it up to uh, fans who might normally not see themselves uh, represented as as fully as um, as is the case with a lot of other comics and media. This has been true, yeah, historically. That's absolutely true. Um, and Marvel has for a long time been committed to um, this sort of quasi-realistic view of the world, or at least of New York. Like, I love Marvel New York. Um, and, Mar- and actual New York is really diverse and full of all kinds of people, and so is Marvel New York, and I, I enjoy that. To me, as, as someone from an urban environment, that reads as very realistic and true. When you were writing for Gotham, did mm-hmm. you did, did you find that um, that was not the case? Uh, that it, well, I didn't think about it then. To be honest, that was earlier in my career, and I I hadn't um, I wasn't thinking that way. I was very indoctrinated in the norms of um, the culture, and uh, I sort of hadn't read any feminist theory yet at that point, and I hadn't. I was just very involved with. Gotham, and but I think if you look at my run, yeah, I think it's pretty white male heavy. Well, it's it's tough because you don't really want to see Batman beating up a bunch of people who are of color. Yeah, well, kind of- oh, exactly, and that becomes a problem too, right? If you have a central cast, you can't have all the bad guys or, who are generally the people that you're inventing that are coming in uh, be people of color. Um, so yeah, that gets tricky. But honestly, I wasn't thinking about it at all then. I was really focusing on. Um, the relationships as I understood them and how to communicate that. And it's been, I have been working in comics for 20 years now. And uh, it's only in the past five years or so that I've started to pay, I guess as sort of as the industry as a whole has started to become more alive to those issues. So have I individually. Um, and I sort of shocked myself by how not 
uh, engaged in that I was previously. I'm, you know, a liberal. I, I grew up in Berkeley. I like there's, I'm, you know, college educated. There's no reason I wouldn't have been thinking about this stuff before, but I just wasn't. I, I completely missed it in the first 15 years or so of my career. I think that's a um, potentially a general trend as well, because I don't think, um, you know, personally, you kind of see it until it gets particularly at the moment on Twitter. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to go into that. It's, it's um, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's been particularly pointed out and stuff. And you just kind of think, you know, it is absolutely something that you should care about. And, and people that don't just kind of, oh, I don't know. It's Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a we're at a cultural flashpoint and yeah. it's, yeah, there's a lot of heat out there around it. And um, I, I get why people are frustrated uh, about some of what's happening. Um, and, you know, they'll, some of them will argue that they're against tokenism, not true representation, and that's a legitimate concern. But if you don't want tokenism, the best way to guarantee what you're getting is real is to make sure there's diverse creators out there. And somehow that same group has a tendency to go after creators of diversity and try to hound them off the uh, project. So I don't quite see how that's going to work. But Well, you, you know, know it's... It was an interest, an interesting kind of confluence of things because you know I've always been this huge fan of the Inhumans, mm-hmm. and there's nothing about them that is inherently uh, liberal or or um, progressive. But I'm also, you know, very much of that mindset, and mm-hmm. so it was kind of like a happy accident that when the Inhumans finally got their big push in Marvel, it was also happening at a time where there was this push to bring in a broader array of characters so that right. all of the newer Inhumans like Miss Marvel or Moon Girl or, or Inferno just happened to be of a broader spectrum of people. And it, it worked out great for me. Uh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really, I, I think the health of the industry depends on that kind of diversification uh, continuing, especially in the creative pool, because that's where the new ideas are going to come from. And, um, although I've admitted that I wasn't particularly enlightened when I started working, I did come from a very different background than most of my colleagues. And I think that is what set my work apart, that I was pulling on different references and sort of had a different viewpoint. And that's where new stories come from. Well, you have a great origin tale about how you got into <laughs> comics. Uh, it was through uh, Batman the Animated Series. That's exactly right. Yeah, I really had no experience with the comic medium up until that point, but I fell so in love with those characters in that show that, that I kind of chased them back to their point of origin, and this whole new world opened up to me. And then you just started cold writing the editor saying, hey, hey, put me in, put me in. <laughs> I actually, honestly, I cold called, and this is amazing. This would never happen today. But at the time, they had a switchboard. And I can't remember how I got the switchboard number, but you could just sort of ask to be put through to somebody, and they'd do it. So my literal (laughs) sense was, I need to speak to the guy in charge of Batman. And I ended up on the phone with Denny O'Neill. Oh, my God. No one asked about nothing. I know. It was was a different era. So oh, is it, is it all like is it all like press zero constantly to get through to someone now? <laughs> exactly. I have no. I don't even know how you do it now. Uh, and yeah, I know some people find that sort of annoying. But of course, while that's happening, I'm also studying writing, and I'm in a you know graduate writing program. It's it's not like I just 
called in and they gave me the job. I, I had to show them my work. And um, did, I really enjoyed learning about comics and doing that study. And it's such an intriguing medium. It kind of reminded me of jazz, that it, it it's still expanding and growing. And there's all this, you know, it, it can hold pretty much anything you can think of to do with it. But it's this great um, confluence of image and language that's unlike anything else. It's all a bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. then there's the superheroes. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I mean, uh, cause I'm a bit of a, a prog rock fan, uh, which mm. has got quite a lot of jazz influence. So, um, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's good good analogy. Rushhead. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and and we share. Uh, I mean, alongside the Inhumans, I'm also one of my favorite characters of all time is your namesake, uh, Dick Grayson. Grayson, and, yes. Um, that run on Nightwing was spectacular. Oh, thank um, you so much. I think one of my favorite arcs was uh, the Renegade arc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that was towards the end. Um, you know, uh, Ember, who we're introduced to in Marvel Rising, reminds me a little bit of uh, Rose Wilson in that arc. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. They do have some of the same sort of snarky energy. <laughs> Right, and also being at a crossroads between deciding, you know, if they're going to be good or bad or right, um, right. I for confused Rose. I think she's you know so influenced by her parentage. You know, that's weighing so heavily over her. And in some ways, Ember has the opposite problem. She's not getting enough parental influence in her life, and she's sort of out there on her own trying to create an identity uh, out of nothing, and really. Um, my backstory for her involved her. They moved so much that she really didn't feel rooted anywhere. Um, so she's sort of trying to create a self out of thin air. Yeah. And uh, her mother's quite neglectful, always kind of spending yeah. all of her time with uh, the latest boyfriend. Benignly neglectful. Yeah. In my mind, she works for one of those pyramid scheme, you know, herbal supplement companies. So <laughs> you know, she's always selling things and moving around and they're always one big sale away from everything being fine, honey. And um, constantly, right, starting new relationships and wanting way too much out of them and overwhelming the guy in question. But they, meantime, they've already moved into his house and she's dragging her adolescent kid behind her and then, oh, that doesn't work out. And it's okay, Amber, we'll go to the next city. It'll be fine. And yeah, poor Ember's just been tagged along in the wake of this, and she—the only stability she has is her online life and identity. And, and of course, she gets, going back uh, to the first issues that we were talking about, being online as a female is not always fun. No. Well, that's um, kind of what sets her off. For is that she gets bullied by these fellows who find out they've lost in a game to a girl, and they uh, block her out of her account. And at the same time, she discovers she has these inhuman powers, and it's sort of a, a, a perfect storm. That uh, Yeah. Well, they, she thinks they blocked her out of their accounts. That's not actually what happened. Oh, is it Mr. <laughs> oh. Arcade? Yes, yes, he did that. Oh, he, he was isolating dick. her. <laughs> that I know, right? I was not seeing. I was not expecting her. We got you on that? Fantastic. Yes, I, it was so worried. We were, it was too broadcast, but... No, I was actually expecting, um, believe it or not, I was expecting the Doc X villain from Miss Marvel. Oh, oh, yes. No, that makes sense. I could totally see that. Yep. I thought it was going to be the Exile because they have him kind of as the main baddie in the cartoon. Yes. At least as far as the cast is. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, Arcade showed up and it made perfect sense. 
but I would I never in a million years thought he was going to be the one. So it was uh, quite a shocking reveal. Good, good. That's what we want. <laughs> it worked, and that that was great. So um, my question was when they when you were creating Ember, what made you decide to give her the powers that she had? Um, probably just that I really like working with that stuff. Um, once I knew that um, both Willow and Ryan were so comfortable in the gaming world too, it, it gave me a shorthand to talk to my co-writers with. Um, but the other thing is that Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl are so powerful and you really have to sit and think like, what could you even throw them for a loop with, you know, even for 10 seconds. Um, and you, I, all I could think of is you have to take them out of their comfort zone and really put them somewhere else. So um, I was trying to come up with something, an adversary that would be strong enough to, to take them on for a little bit, um, a environment that would be fun for my coworkers and I, um, and then something, of course, really visual. It wasn't like a, sort of like a, it wasn't like a 24 hour wow binge then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually an EQ player. So. Okay. Oh, there you go. God, I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> EQ most, too, to be fair. And, and most yeah. of my, most of my WoW friends, I, I got into the gaming through, through WoW, but most of my friends have moved on to Guild Wars 2 now and I'm just like, yeah. I did that one too. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have um, sort of a serial monogamy RP group. We 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 just move things every couple. Of, like we'll do three years on something and then jump to the next thing. And sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, okay. Back to Ember. One of the things uh, I really wanted to explore with her too was a teenage girl's vulnerability to um, a male stranger's flattery, uh, particularly in terms of how female socialization about you know being nice and cooperative uh, can lead to questioning or even ignoring your own gut instincts about dangerous people and situations. I really wanted to look at that. Absolutely, because uh, if you if you I have been on the receiving end of that once. There, there are guys out there that once they figure out that you're a girl, mm-hmm. yep, they just go right after you. Although, well, so Sarah, so you've been gaming online as long as I have. So let me run this by you because I hear horror stories now from my younger female friends who have sort of just recently waded into the online gaming world. But I remember back in the day when we walked 10 miles in snow both ways to get to a router. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They, it was wonderful being female online, and I had male friends who would deliberately roll up female avatars because people would just yes, see you game and they take off all their armor and hand it to you. And yes, you know, like, absolutely. Yes. I I would receive um when I first and and I'm actually still with the same guild that I've been with for like 12 years now. Although I don't play WoW as, like hardly as much <laughs> as I used to, but um the guild I had gotten into um. There would be guys in the guild that would, they would hear me on, um, vent mm. and they would be like, and that's Ventrilo, which was, you know, what we used to talk with before Discord came along. And, um, <laughs> and we're um, still team speak. <laughs> right? Oh God, I had that too. <laughs> so they would, they would find out I was a girl and I was just starting out and they would literally go, Oh, here's like 5,000 gold. Go. Right yourself up and okay, I'm not using this sword here you go right. um, it, was and very, it was very big brother like like it was yeah. like my, my the brothers would do like you know they would be like oh you're messing with her if a guy was messing with me then all my guild mates would be like no you don't mess with you don't mess with her <laughs> and it was and it was very much um like a family when the fact that like the guys that I gamed with were more like my brothers yeah. and 
anything else, but I was also had managed to stumble into a to a guild of people that were um like it was not just guys in the guild, it was guys and their girlfriends or guys and their right. sisters or their wives. It was a lot of guys in the armed services who used WoW to, you know, stay in touch back home and spend time with their loved ones when they had downtime. Right, exactly. Yeah. And those guys did really well by being nice to girls. I married one of them. You know, like, I, I don't understand this current crop. They're, it's going to be miserable. I, I, I think I think that's something to do. Um, you know, quite quite frankly, it's, it's potentially growing up with the internet compared to growing mm-hmm. up and then getting the internet. Absolutely right. Um, yep. Yeah, because it, it's, I mean, I, I guess and I'm social kind of, media. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm kind of like the look because uh, when did Facebook come out? Like 2008-ish? No, 2004, and you had to have a college email address in yeah, order yeah, to but, sign I mean, up for it. <laughs> it, was, it was rolled out, I think. <laughs> I did that too. I think in the UK, it didn't get rolled out until 2008. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and by that point, I was, you know, 15, getting on 16, nearly finished school. Right. So I guess I was kind of like the last generation to really, you know, have a go outside and ride your bikes up on, you know, up around places like that and I, I don't think kids have that anymore no it's, they don't um, and I, I yeah. think it's, it's it's difficult to really understand exactly what you um how to talk to people outside of social media and uh, right and the know, way you speak to people inside social media exactly. is so distinct um yeah. and it you really have to sort of exaggerate everything because that's the way that you get your personality or your persona across yeah. um yeah. yeah so if that's how you learn how to communicate right it's going to kind of throw everything off from that point on yeah well is. circling back to what you were saying about um how young women can be vulnerable online to the influence. I mean, you, I think that was made abundantly clear um, in the most recent issue where Arcade basically coaxes Ember into getting into that harness. Exactly. By, yes. um, and she does know better. You see her hesitating, yeah. but she pushes past that. Yeah. That's an interesting phenomenon, I think, uh, and an important one to tackle. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's true because it's, it's especially when they can tell that if you're alone and scared or even sad and depressed, that sort of flattery and 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 that sort of thing can you know it gets under your skin. Yeah, or just lonely. All yeah. you need to be is lonely and bored, which is really what Ember is experiencing. Yes. <clears throat> and when when it turns out that the uh, the man behind the the voicemail is as creepy as arcade is you really regret it right yeah <laughs> well and knowing that younger girls were going to be reading this series um you know i just wanted to do a little bit of communicating about being careful and listening to your voices and your friends because they'll have your back exactly no and you're, you're wise to have chosen such a despicable villain because anyone who was you know remotely actually charismatic might kind of uh stumble the message Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just he. I didn't have him in the first draft. It was just going to be Ember. She was going to be the bad guy, and then I really thought, no, I, I want to do more with her. And so there needs to be somebody manipulating her. And you know, he just suggested himself so loudly, and it was sort of there was no other way to go. The minute my mind skipped over him, so yeah, like, he, he yeah. used to be a much more <laughs> innocuous villain mm-hmm. until uh, Dennis Hopeless's uh, Arena series made him a full on 
child killer right exactly well and also as technology evolved you know (laughs) he's he's sort of what he can do is increasing yes so uh, and i mean i'm i'm not asking for spoilers but (laughs) you're asking for spoilers (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm, I'm hoping i'm wondering if uh you have a grander uh arc, arc planned for ember beyond this Oh, um, I don't right now. Um, she was introduced for this and I would love to do more with her, but, um, no, I mean, she does end up somewhere different at the end of the Omega than where she is right now. And from there, she can certainly go on to have other adventures. She's, she's set up to do more stuff, but I don't know what those would be yet. And it may not be up to me. You know, someone else might grab it first. Yeah. I I do hope he's here again. Um, Yeah, me too. too. And it's always such a weird thing to release a new character into a fictional universe. You know, you're just like, oh, I wonder what's going to come of them. (laughs) Right. I have a question. Um, After Marvel Rising, do you have any other books down the line with Marvel? I don't have anything planned yet, but we are talking. I had uh, two other projects that before Marvel Rising I already had uh, committed to, so I, I need to jump over to those, and that's what I'm working on right now. But uh, I'm still in communication with them, and I'm sure we'll do more Spider soon. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I see that everyone that comes on the show. <laughs> we can never go an episode without Seren mentioning <laughs> Spider Woman. <laughs> Is that our Easter egg? And there it was. At, uh, you know, <laughs> point I, I don't know. I just need someone to write her. That's all. Okay, and yeah. you would do a good job. So <laughs> I've actually, the spiders are the, some of the only characters I've not written at all. Spider-Man, I think is like the only big guy I've not touched yet. Oh, that's interesting. Well, there we go. <laughs> One for the future, put it on the list. Yeah, there you right. go. Bucket list. There's actually, quite a think, few of them now. I think Jodie yeah. Hauser is the only woman who's actually written Peter Parker. That's probably right, yeah. Wow. That seems a shame. It is a shame. Well, that's why I was so glad that um, Becky Cloonan wrote that run on The Punisher and that she was on it as long as she was. Because yeah. I think that, that you, you have a lot of guys writing women, but you don't have a lot of women writing the guys. And I think that's another thing that kind of needs to get flipped around. And honestly, that's what I came in really wanting to do. And I did have to fight for that before I was allowed to write Batman. I had to write Catwoman before I wrote Ghost Rider. I had, I, you know, I did Black Widow. I had to write Black Widow. Not like that was suffering, but um, <laughs> she's amazing. But, um, but yeah. It was it, a fun art too. Uh, thank you. Yeah. They, they, you know, there was a consciousness about trying to have females working on female characters. And, and although I appreciated that, that really wasn't what I was doing at that time in my career. So I would always have fans coming up and you should write. And they had an entire list of female characters. And I was like, have you looked at my work? That's not really. Um, <laughs> but at this point in my career, I'm actually very open to that and enjoying it. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I so- educate myself <laughs> you educate yourself so now that you've got misogyny <laughs> so now that you've written with ryan north and key willow wilson is there anyone else you would like to do a, a a crossover with or a team up with oh that's a great question um i need time to think about that but i you know it, it's hard and difficult and like you you cry and throw things when you're doing crossovers there's there's so really it's the amount of editors involved more than anything that just makes things frustrating especially if the notes don't all come in at once right because you you sure. fix something for one editor and then the next wave of notes comes in and you're like oh could you guys please just <laughs> talk to uh, each other 
Um, and in this case, uh, it was, you know, because people were really busy doing other things. I totally understood why that didn't always happen. Um, but, um, so yeah, I don't spend a lot of time sitting around thinking which other writers I'd love to work with, but every time I've had a chance to, it's been a blast. And one of the things about writing is it's very isolating. You know, you spend most of your time uh, staring at blank pages. And so to have comics as a whole is one of the most collaborative uh, written mediums there is. You always have at least your art team and usually your editorial team. So you have people there in a way that you wouldn't when you're like writing a novel, for example. Um, but yeah, to then actually get to plot with somebody is that's even more fun. Yes. Well, along with uh, collaborating with with some cool writers, you also got to work with some really great illustrators on wow, the series. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, yeah. That must have been a blast, um, and such a wide variety of. of Different people. Um, yeah, we started with Marco Feria on the, for the Zero, and then um, I was mostly working with Georgia Stuarte on the Alpha and Omega. Um, but yeah, we had Ramon Box and Irene Stradkowski, and oh, yeah, just so, so many. Isn't she amazing? And yeah. um, you know, even uh, Clayton Cowles on the letters. Like when you have a good, it's like the thing you don't even think about. But when you have a really good letterer and a really good colorist, we had. I don't know if it's Rachel or Rochelle. I'm sorry, R- oh, Rochelle Rachel. Rosenberg. Rochelle Rosenberg. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She is like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that comment about letters. Um, I, I can't remember if I told. It's uh, Letterer Appreciation Day. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is that today? Is it? It makes yes, so much. It is. So oh, is it? Oh, yes. there you go. Shout out yeah. to Clayton. Then. So, so, that, it really does make a difference, and it's so much fun when they're, um, you know, tireless and willing to get in there and willing to sort of be in on the jokes with the fonts. It, you know, there's so much. Right. You can... See, I was, I was reading, and I definitely um... appreciate because I have such a terrible handwriting. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was, I was so... reading uh, Annihilation recently, and um, I think uh, the, the first four issues, which are, I, I think are Drax the Destroyer issues, I can't quite remember. But all of the um, all of the alien species—I can't remember who it is—they've um, got a really awkward font to read, and I, I don't think it was up until that point where you know reading a book. I mean, it might have been the light; it might have just been because I was really tired. But I just couldn't read the font, and I, it's right. just—it's something you don't realize until you know actually when you get a book like that, and it's you know exactly no, absolutely they wanted to do something different. They wanted to actually make them distinct, but. For me personally, well, it didn't quite work too well. Too, what, what, what that makes me think is, are they hard to understand? Is the lettering somehow giving you the experience of struggling to hear through their accents or something? Because they're oh, aliens. Cool I don't, you know, yeah. I mean, I think probably if it pulls you out of the story, it's not quite working. But I, I love the idea of playing with that. You know, well, if you I, could find the right balance of readability and discomfort. Yeah, I, I think there's... Um... Like in Hawkeye with the pizza dog issue. <laughs> oh. Yes, what a great issue. Oh, I have to read that run. I'm so sorry, guys. I have to read that run. Uh, I'm so disappointed, I, if, it, if it's a part of the first eight, I have them. It's fine. But. Well, no, I, I think what the... I mean, yes, the lettering, of course, but also I think the the colouring by uh, Miss Rosenberg really tied everything together so that, these, that there was this visual continuity that existed, um, even yeah. though there was these different artists illustrating exactly. every installment in some cases uh, right. two stories in one um, and so yeah so vibrant i agree um and so asked to do some tricky stuff with the computer lighting uh you know and uh, there were a lot of scenes where we really wanted to emphasize uh, and ember's power part of what she does is pull from electricity um so you know there was supposed to be brownouts and stuff happening in the background and those are all 
<laughs> Those are headaches, but it was handled brilliantly. Well, and that sort of the pixelized effect when they would right. smash the squirrel and you... I was I, so that, excited the first time I saw that, yeah. <laughs> so you guys are all about uh, these multiplayer online things. I'm, I am I'm, I go back a little further. I'm a little more Pac-Man and whatnot. So I, <laughs> gotcha. I, I, yeah, I got a little 8-bit. So you, you're right. <laughs> well, what's funny, I have um, a just today 11-year-old stepson, and he loves that stuff. Like, he has the most amazing 3D animation available to him, but just like a rocket, he goes for the what I consider sort of crummy 8-bit animation. He loves it. So it's like, well, clearly that's in style, and I think the younger readers will that's, be familiar with Minecraft. it. That's Minecraft right there yeah exactly oh he which he loves yeah it's, it's well there was that great bunch of them now. yeah where uh squirrel girl does a full-on uh mario jump over the barrel <laughs> um, yeah. i could totally hear that noise too <laughs> yeah. i have so, to admit though going back to um sort of retro looking stuff um when the nintendo ds first came out um <laughs> one of the first games i got on it was uh the space invaders remake yes and yes. it was like, it, it was, uh, you know, I was what, uh, about 13, 12, 13 at the time. And I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I, I spent so many hours on that. And then once my, once my dad actually knew I had the game, he was like, oh, can I, can I borrow it? I don't, <laughs> I don't think I saw the game for about, I don't know, about a month and a half. Uh, <laughs> oh God, my go-to. When I got the DS, my go-to was right to Pokemon. Oh, well, that was that too, yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, it's just Space Invaders. I didn't have my DS for about a month and a half. Think about how simple the original Space Invaders was in terms of we're talking about art and animation, right? But it was so engaging. Yeah. (laughs) Centipede? Yeah. Centipede was mine. I love Centipede. That was a good game. That's literally dots, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but so the, I, because of my kid, I trusted that the younger readers would, I, I could go pretty retro with some of the references and, and it would be, it would carry through to. Well, I, th- I think the stuff like, you know, the, the Super Mario reference is, is, is almost timeless really because Super Mario is one of those right. characters that just sort of has. Yeah, much has, like these superheroes. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's just kind of, it's, it's been going for what, like 30, 30 years now? 30, 30. Thirty-five years, thirty-five years. Yeah, and, and he's still uh, he's still one of Nintendo's uh, biggest selling franchises. You know, Pokemon's been right. going for twenty-two years now, and you just think, how on earth is a game about catching, you know, based based on catching bugs, still right. a thing? <laughs> you know, it's this, yeah. Um, well, when you so, have a good concept and, and a good story and you just tweak it here and there and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, definitely. Exactly right. Yep. Those um those uh, fire chickens that... that <laughs> chocobos. They are chocobos. chocobos. They are. Is, I confirmed that on Twitter. <laughs> that's wow. Uh, no, that's, that's Final oh, Fantasy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Final Fantasy. Final I'm Fantasy. sorry. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Final Fantasy. Uh, well, they'll always be fire chickens to me. <laughs> And me, I I, I haven't played either of those franchises. I'm I haven't afraid. played Final Fantasy, but I have friends that are so into it that they're they're. I know what they are. Final Fantasy isn't one I played. My first actual RPG was Skies of Arcadia on the Dreamcast. You know, mine was Oblivion. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, Oblivion was beautiful. Yeah. Skies of Arcadia well, with sky pirates. Oh, <laughs> I do love me some pirates. No, Sky Pirate. Well, <laughs> I know, like, it's a different thing. Find an emulator. <laughs> I can say, as someone who's completely uh, ignorant to much of these worlds, I was still was able to engage in the series. <laughs> good. That's that's very good to hear. Yeah, I, not everybody does it. And so, yeah. I want to make but sure I was very happy to have 
Miss America and Dante there <laughs> to to commiserate with. <laughs> Are you yeah. guys done yet? <laughs> I think I think this is another another book almost like where it's you know it it's almost an all ages book, isn't it? Really, is um, mm-hmm. it's 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 just so well done. Um, you know, I mean, we've got quite a quite a good range of ages on the podcast, so um, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and we all, we've all enjoyed it, and I think yeah, it's been an absolute absolute blast. So, so have you seen the TV show yet? I haven't. Have you? Uh, I got through about half of the first episode, and then I had to stop, and I haven't had a chance to go back. To go back, I, I got to watch kind of, it. It's, it's yeah. only half an hour. It's 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 fun. It's a good cartoon. Is that yeah. the one? Is that the one that got released on YouTube for free? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's on yeah. Disney. See, I'm, yeah, yeah. In the, the UK, on it is really great. We're not allowed to watch it in the UK. It's uh, it's country country locked so uh, Lord. i haven't been able to watch it yet that's kind of like uh the the spider woman cartoon now like from 1979 you can get it in the uk you can't get it here unless you want to pay out the nose for it mm. <laughs> go figure yeah that's so weird it just seems like things should be more available and easier to get everywhere now but you no, of course so, not not it? if there's it's, money to be made i guess it's, it's like it's like region locked dvds and blu-rays you kind of right. think why on right. earth do they exist Right. Everybody. Aren't we past this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, video games too. They region lock the video games now too. Mm-hmm. Oh, Although I think dumb. Nintendo's might end up on that a bit. But. Well, N- Nintendo are all based on um, the, the place you first put the game into the console. Oh. So it, it was a really weird system for the DS. Um, I know that much. I don't know about the Switch, but Switch is fun. I don't have that yet. I need to get <laughs> um, so, 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 Ms. Grayson, I imagine that uh, that writing for um, a broad audience must be very difficult. I mean, because it's such a tight rope to walk with. With a, you don't, you know, you want to be all ages, but not just for youngsters and not just for adults. And and uh, I have to imagine that's that's difficult. Um, yes, it, it's a little bit of a tightrope, but I think you get used to it. Um, hope it's weird how much, how often we don't do that with comics. And, you know, it's certainly my work in Gotham. I don't consider terribly kid friendly for the most part. And, uh, I, you know, when you tell people you do comics, civilians, they're always like, Oh, great. Do you have anything my eight year old could read? And like <laughs> for decades, it was like, not really. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, sort of the minute you put yourself in that mindset, it becomes not very difficult because, um, I don't know, we've all been there and, and they, all the character drama can stay, which is usually where the real story is anyway. Um, I did, I, you know, that we, well, and there, and the chorus of editors <laughs> will keep, will keep sure. you on the path. But yeah, it is something you keep in mind. Um, but I, I think this is a fairly sophisticated story, and I, I was sort of trying not to worry about that too much and, and let them, you know, around the edges. I, I think at one point I had a reference to shooting, and they didn't even want to use that word or that imagery at all. And I was, I, you know, so we pulled that out. But yeah, I was. Uh, I thought a little bit about this uh, tragedy that occurred in uh, Fort Lauderdale, mm. Fort Lauderdale, uh, a video game. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, con- a conference or a, 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 a it was match. a Madden tournament, I think. Yeah, I, I see. Um, it wasn't even a shooting game; it was a sports game. Yeah, it's uh, American football, isn't it? Yep, Madden. Yeah, but that that people online can—I mean, just like any game—you get so into it that you lose touch with um, your sensibilities. And, I, I, th- I, I think I think that that almost goes back to kind of what I mentioned before with the you. you 
in that kind of situation, you don't know how to react because like video games, one of those things where um, kind of similar to writing, you're, you're stuck on your own in a, in a room somewhere and you're kind of, if you get frustrated and you don't know how to vent because there's nobody around you, right? You, you, there's potential to do really stupid things and you know. Well, and part of yeah, part of what I was looking at with Ember too is if that really becomes your sense of accomplishment and identity in the world, if that's the place where you have control of things and and you can your talents shine and and you you're in charge, and um, if that falls apart and you really have no connection to the real world that you're moving through, it can really feel devastating. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, I, I think that's you know we're, we're almost at a, a flashpoint with technology as well at the moment where VR is coming in and and that's going to be such an immersive thing because you know I was, I was talking to you about VR recently and it's it's so immersive that you know um, a so friend you're at ready work, player one yeah and and you and, <laughs> and you genuinely I I I'm gonna I think people are going to find it very difficult to start to actually kind of remove themselves from that. Um, Especially if reality keeps going the way it's going, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's scary enough as it is. I can't imagine what it would be like to to be in a game, but yeah. Well, I don't know how much it's really changing. I mean, I think everyone guards their escapism with tooth and nail. I mean, even something as relatively antiquated as comic books, we've seen this last week, that uh, people can get really uncivil uh, when it comes to not getting their way. Yeah, Um, yeah. And uh, on, on both sides of the coin as well, I think that you know it's 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 not just one side or the other. It's it's both. Well, I oh, say give me sides. That both sides. Uh, Screw that. <laughs> one side. It, no, but you know what I mean. It's it's you can react poorly or you can react well, um, yes. regardless of who you are. Um, and it's 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 a difficult position to be in because you, you know you you want to have a civil discussion. Or at least I want to have a civil discussion. Um, and and somebody else doesn't, and it's a shame. I was really trying this past week. Um, I was sort of reaching out and talking to people who self-identified as being on the other side, and um, but were being very civil and and open to dialogue. Um, and it, I quickly realized it kind of mirrored politics in that yeah. they were yeah. literally getting different information, and it's hard to have a conversation about what's happening when you can't even agree on the chronology of events. Um, yeah. And and no amount of proving you can't go well, but here's this link and this link and this link, because they'll just blanket say, well, none of those sources are reliable. <laughs> and well, I feel the right. same way about yours. So now we're kind of at an impasse. Um, and, and that's uh, the, thing, the other thing yeah. that was interesting, actually, because I was doing this on Twitter, and uh, this emerged that I didn't really realize. But like on Facebook, we we know about creating your own little social bubbles, and you're, you're only getting the you know, information that you've self-selected. But on Twitter, that can actually happen for you because of the chain blocking. Right. Uh, ah. I completely understand why people are doing the chain blocking. I, I, you know, I've talked to some of the people that were getting the worst of the abuse and I don't, you know, not for a second do I, I, I would do exactly the same thing. Like you can't live with that much ugliness coming at you every day. But the, one of the side effects is that somebody on the outer fringes who doesn't associate with the nastiness, but is for whatever reason, identifying with the movement um, is literally not seeing your experience or the experience of any of your peers. Um, so you've created a shroud at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, I mean, just today, I mean, I kind of, um, you know, I, I only kind of caught up with everything on Monday, Tuesday time. 
And mm. um, you know, just today I was I was having a conversation with one person. It just went down the route of, oh, um, this person did this. Can you come back with you know something where we've done something just as bad? Blah blah blah. And it's kind of right, like, well, exactly. Well, no, because I, I don't want this to become a, a, for lack of a better term, I don't want it to become a pissing contest, because right. it, it, then then it just turns into a. a a silly argument of who's done what and he said she well, said and and but if I mean, we're talking about comics gay right we're talking yeah, around yeah. it but yes. that's what we're talking yes. about right okay yes. so so look to we're me subtweeting <laughs> i'm yes <laughs> so uh, you know as someone who works in narration to me there's a chronology of events there are things that happened and there's a huge difference between reacting to something uh and attacking someone and like that is I'm not seeing that acknowledged. And, and that's why I haven't, you know, if, if you're just talking about do both sides behave badly? Well, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you can stack up the examples of people not behaving well. But in my mind, and, and from everything I've read and studied and everyone I've talked to, um, you know, this one group was doing their job and these other people came at them you know, really, really hard and ugly and are now sort of saying, oh, but then you guys did this and this. And the, the, the story structure matters. It's a different story if, you know, A and B were minding their own business and then for whatever reason just started attacking each other. Yeah. But yeah. if they're minding business and then B comes at A really hard and ugly, you know, and then A strikes back, that's a different story. Yeah, and I think that's what I was trying to get out earlier. But then, then again, I had a conversation after that, and it was perfectly civil. We were talking about, you know, yeah. the decline in sales with comic books as a medium, and I'm kind of like, well, actually, that's not really based around one specific thing. It's a whole group of right. you know, digital uh, potential events, fatigue, you know, all, all those different things. And and it was the it whole was, publishing medium. Yeah. yeah, it was genuinely a good conversation, and it's kind of I, 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 yeah, I struggle. I had- to um to to get around you know the, the bad conversations because you just uh, it's just so many people that <sighs> I just try not to engage. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna stop engaging from now on because it does it does just it grinds. Me I made the decision bit. to try to engage and and so far I don't regret it. I I it what it felt like to me is that there are sort of two entirely separate circles um yeah, of definitely. the movement and and the inner circle is like there's there's no point i wouldn't you know they don't right. want to talk to me i don't want to talk to them nobody's going to change their mind about anything but right. the outer circle it, it, they they are genuinely interested in comics criticism and they don't really want anyone to be attacked or be mean um and so Initially, what I was arguing with them about is like, well, why would you sign up under this banner, though? Uh, yeah. You know, because that's going to make us immediately hostile to you. And they sort of denied knowledge of that. And that's, you know, then we got into the Twitter block thing. And um, so I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to talk to those who are willing to talk, because if yeah. there's any chance of building bridges, that's it. But it is exhausting. And I've had three conversations now and had to you know, prove myself in every single one from the beginning. And it's kind of like, you're, you came in and said you were associated with this. Why don't you do the research? And right? you tell me what it means. But, and, and you know, but, but again, different information. So and it, it's, it's, it's actually, it comes around sort of almost full circle because that it comes down to social media. It comes down to, you know, like you said earlier, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's politics. Um, right. And it's kind of, it comes down to misinformation, actual information, how you interpret the information, or how you, almost how you've been told to interpret the information, um, and and I think you know maybe there needs to be a fundamental change in in terms of that. But I don't know. It's well, just... it's true. you know, I don't know what it's like in the UK right now, but in the US, we don't 
teach civics anymore, for example. Like that's just yeah. not in school. And you know, what, what do you mean by civics? Is that just like um... history, structure of government? Um, you know how how the system that we have our democracy running under actually works. That when I was in school, we went through all that. That's just yeah. I mean, I, I can't speak for the school system at the moment, but I mean, we 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 have like humanities. We have. Um, right. Uh, I'm trying to think what I got taught when I was in the school. It was like it's called PSHE or something. It's like um, you know, all social humanities education, all that sort of stuff, and how how things are, you know, and then general studies, which was you know political and stuff. But right, yeah, it is it is open to us, but well, yeah, if you don't have the, that background, it's hard to yeah yeah. Much of the country right now is really staunchly bifurcated on political lines it makes sense that right. the comic yep. book world should be and the readership world should be the same reflect that um, absolutely yeah and I, I think you know what you know i watched this week and it's, it's a really silly thing but i watched um uh joe biden at john mccain's funeral um mm-hmm. on the bbc news app and actually it was it was really quite heartwarming because it's two people from completely different walks of life essentially who were good friends but didn't agree on something and right that's that's how you got i mean my, that's how i would live my life i mean my friends and me don't agree on everything but arguably that's what makes us friends and i, I, I would never attack him for that so yeah i think generally people do much better face to face and and, yeah. and th- then you can acknowledge that the other person's human and you sort of remember that it's really easy to let go of that and fall into generalizations on social media and so that's one of the big dangers of communicating there the other of course that you can't see the expression on anybody's face or catch their intonation and it's really easy to take things wrong yeah yeah definitely. that circles us back to a kind of major theme in this marvel rising series is, mm-hmm. is how you know you subtract the prosody and the face-to-face contact and people can become very different in their online personas. Right, exactly. And I'd be really interesting after you guys have read the Omega, if, if you feel like that gets resolved in a way that I think actually fits nicely into this uh, this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, Although, you know, I, I must admit that um, when I was first reading your work, way back in the way back, uh, you know, <laughs> a Batman, uh, Arsenal, and Huntress, uh, 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 Nightwing, you know, Devin is a unisex name. I, I right. didn't know that, yep. uh, that you were a woman and, um, I, um, <clears throat> not that it matters, but, you know, it, it would be nice if we could approach comics in that same way of like, kind of, well, this is a, a woman writing it. Okay. No problem. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot of people are that way, but, uh, you know, it's dealing with the, <laughs> the outliers. <laughs> Um, but yes, I, a lot of people didn't know that. And I, I fondly remember my first cons where I would be informed several times a day that I was female by people who were surprised to, uh, <laughs> oh my God, you're female. And I would, you know, always jump up and go, what? <laughs> you know? but, uh, oh my God, I didn't know. <laughs> what, the, what happened? Um, I've been using the wrong bathroom all these years. It's like, oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, but, it, but I agree with you. I think that in terms of the long-term health and viability of the industry, it has to expand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, look at Miss Marvel. He sold what? How, how many million or half a million? Half a million trades so far. Yeah. It's very impressive. Wow. Which reminds me, I have to pre-order the next one. Right, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully... Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> well, you're... <laughs> This uh, the trade for this book. I hope it'll be out in, ter- in time for Hanukkah, Christmas, because I know 
quite a few uh, nieces and nephews who will be looking forward to reading it. Awesome. I hope um, so, too. And I hope they send me my comp soon. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be at uh, New York? That's the most rewarding part of the job. <laughs> I know. I want to read it. So are you going to be at New York Comic Con this year? Uh, not this year, no. Probably next year because um, I have another big project that I'm going to need to get out there and um, push. So uh, this year has been quiet. I, I've been uh, dealing with a family health crisis, so I didn't plan any. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, it's okay. It was the dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't travel. I didn't know what shape he was going to be in and what kind of care he was needing day to day. So yeah, this so is, not. Uh, this is Cody. Cody, the diabetic alert dog. Yeah, who Aww. who was uh, huge part of my life and uh, took such good care of me for eleven years. Um, but he uh, he hit his thirteenth birthday in March and just really declined this summer, and we had to say Aww. goodbye to him in June. Oh, so I'm that was so hard. sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but leading uh, to that, I, like I, I, man, I felt like I owed him the best care I could possibly give him after all those years of you know taking care of me. So I, I didn't schedule anything. Yeah, I, I literally went through uh, the same thing last week actually. Um, oh, with uh, yeah, my my dog was was twelve years old, and he uh, yeah, we had to we had to have him put down on well a week ago yesterday. It's just heartbreaking, it's, and their family uh, members. You know? yeah, it's, yeah, it was it was genuinely. Uh, I was. Well, you could probably tell I, I I do get a bit choked up about it anyway. But um, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just part of the family, and it's one of those things that you you can't plan for at all. And uh, right, you know it's coming, and it, it yeah, but, but yeah, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. So no, yeah. yeah, and he was he was really. I mean, I know all dogs are the best dog and really special, but <laughs> yeah. um, I have type one diabetes, and he was trained to um, alert when my blood sugars change. So I, you know, he went everywhere with me. He was uh, trained to be safe in schools and supermarkets and stuff. And that's uh, spectacular. He, he cool. was amazing. He would talk about superheroes. Um, yeah, and yeah. to the end, he wouldn't stand up to eat because it hurt so much to get up. But he would still oh. get up, move himself across the room to alert if my blood sugar dropped. And that amazes Aww. me because because uh, my mum's got type two diabetes and um and and my dog used to do something very similar. If she if her they, it's like a bright light yeah. to them. Yeah, their sense of smell is so keen that uh yeah they you just need to train them that that's important information to give you and they're brilliant at it. Yeah, because what what he would do is jump up on my mum's chair and and lick her on the nose, and it was just like <laughs> yeah. it was it was the it was the weirdest thing because he was never actually fully trained for it, but right, yeah, yeah, just took it upon himself to give her the information. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 Cody, I need to throw out the organization that trained him is earlyalertcanines.org, and they're a great uh, organization in the States that trains these dogs for type 1 diabetics. And um, we place a lot of them with uh, kids. A lot of people have really young uh, type 1 diabetics that strikes in childhood a lot. So we'll have families with three or four uh, diabetics. And imagine those poor parents aren't sleeping, right? They have to be checking yeah, blood sugars yeah. all you put one of these dogs in the house, and they'll just do rounds all night and keep all the kids safe and come get the parents of somebody that That's is a, spectacular. Yeah. Dogs, dogs are amazing. What would we do without dogs, guys? I don't know. It would be worth it. It would be a really different world. Dogs well, and my, horses. My cat knows when I uh, really, if I'm asleep and I have to pee, he knows to <laughs> jump on my stomach. <laughs> well, you're stuck. Uh, you're lucky. Yeah. He's not going for your platter. <laughs> well, as I, he's, he's close enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my cat well, knows I, the same. Oh, dear. Good. <laughs> this we this episode is officially dedicated to uh, Cody and Ozzy. Thank yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> Being very good doggos. Yeah. 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 
Well, well thank you know. so much for taking this time and, and what a what a fun conversation. My pleasure. Yeah, we really covered everything. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it got a bit serious at the end there, but um, I don't think we've had an episode where it didn't. So. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. I was like, oh, did I bring them down? <laughs> no, it's all good. No, you you've you've written um a comic series that um makes me laugh. And I have loved every issue of Marvel Rising so far. I can't wait for Wednesday um, for the conclusion to see how it all winds up. And uh, I really do like Ember, and I hope we see her in the future. If if you either if you write her or if somebody else takes over, uh, I think she's a, a pretty cool character. So I'm I'm looking forward to see uh, where her adventures go to next. Awesome! Thanks so much. I hope she has a long, healthy life. <laughs> yeah, just keep her away from Donny Cates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. oh yeah. So I, I was, uh, I was going to, I was going to go to Bedford Comic Con today, but I, ne- I didn't end up going because, um, but Donny Cates is actually there. So everybody who's who's been to Bedford Comic Con, lucky people. Um, <laughs> but well, yes. But thank you again, and and uh, this has been a real treat for us. And thank you as well. For the terrific tale um, that I immensely and enjoyed. Yeah. When? Where can we find you on Twitter for our listeners so they can uh, follow you? You bet. I'm at Gotham Et. G O T H A M E T T E. French female Gotham. There you go. Let's see. <laughs> and you can and, always and, go ahead. Oh, and also wanted to put a shout out there that um, that user is now available in a collected format. Uh, through image so everyone out there who might have missed that the first time around uh this is a book to read thank you yeah and especially if you're into the gaming part and for the marvel stuff uh please grab that dr strange novel i really had fun with that yeah i'll have to hunt that down because i had no idea it existed (laughs) uh so you can follow Devin at gothamette on twitter and you can follow us uh, at adelan rising one also on twitter and email us at the show at adelanrising.com Thanks for listening. Yay. Bye. Bye.